I, I don't know if you feel this is an incredible thing, but it, it's pretty neat to, uh, it, it's a pretty neat thing to gather here as a church and know that um, about eight hours ago, uh, a church in Sierra Leone gathered um, and, and was singing worship songs and learning and hearing the gospel. Um, and, and you guys got to play a huge, huge role in, in making that happen. And then knowing that there's going to be a hundred little kids going to school um, and otherwise they wouldn't go to school. And they're going to hear the gospel. And like Britton said, the vast majority of these people come from a Muslim background, um, namely because no one's told them about Jesus. So if you go to Sierra Leone, Africa, um, one of the amazing things that, that occurs is you'll get into a um, car, at least when I went there a couple times, uh, you get in a car and you drive down this you know, road that was so bumpy, it's beyond bumpy, and, and, and you just come along this village in the middle of nowhere, and then you go another mile, village in the middle of nowhere, and then you just keep on going. And, and in many of these villages, they've, they haven't heard at least a clear um, proclamation of the gospel. They might be able to tell you some things about Jesus, but not necessarily an understanding of what the gospel truly is. And so that's just amazing to me that we get to be a part of that. Um, one of the things that Britton didn't mention is um, this all started about three years ago when we partnered with a couple of other missionaries, um, Van and Janice Hubbard, and, and we partnered with them a little over three years ago. It might be four years ago now, and you guys gave um, financially in some very significant ways, and they were able to train and equip several of the locals there to be both ministry leaders and pastors. And so eight hours ago, not only did that church um, start singing the praises of, of Christ, and, and not only was there a church there that we got to be a part of, but there's 15 other churches that the Mission Church played a huge role in getting started and planting uh, about two or three years ago. We've been able to see um, over a thousand people get saved in these churches in hundreds of baptisms, and we, you, by the grace of God, we got to play a huge role in that. And can I just get an amen? Because that's good, that's good preaching, yo. Is it anyone? Come on. That was a weak amen. That, that's, that's just incredible to me that, that we, we get to be a part of that. And it kind of folds into um, what I uh, desire to preach about this morning. Um, and that is the topic of legacy. Um, I don't know about you, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about what is the legacy you're, you're leaving behind. To me, legacy is a really, really powerful thing. And the reason why it's powerful, because the, the definition of legacy is, is the passing on. It's this picture of um, your impact lives longer than you do. That when you die, your impact doesn't die because you lived in a certain way, influenced certain people, that when you die, it doesn't mean your impact dies. Your impact through the lives of others can, continues to live on. And I think here's the reality. I think a lot of people, um, when they die, their impact dies. They, they have no positive legacy or a minimal legacy. And this morning, I want to talk about um, your legacy. 
And specifically, your legacy in making disciples. And the reason why I think this is so important, in fact, the reason why I think that this is, this may be the most important thing that, that you live and think about and, um, and intentionally pursue is I think it's extremely important for two reasons. One, it's your own story. Those of you who know Christ, you know Christ because somebody told you, right? Because someone says, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell them about Christ. So me, I had a mom and a dad who just continually talked to me about Christ. The reason why I'm a pastor is because I had three or four men just come alongside me and disciple me and pour into me. And when they die, their impact won't. It will continue, hopefully by the grace of God, through me and the many other men that they discipled. And here's the biggest reason why this is important, is because Jesus made this famous statement. Let's see if you can fill in the blanks here. A little Bible trivia. Every good church does a little Bible trivia every now and then. Um, Jesus made this statement. Go, therefore, and make... You guys win. Nailed that. Notice he doesn't say, go, therefore, and make converts. He says, "I, I want you to go and make disciples. Let me ask you this a question, ask this question to you. There's a question that was asked of me. In fact, it's a two-part question. Um, the second part rattled me, and maybe it will rattle you. The first question is this. When Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, was this a calling for some, like you, 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 got a couple here who are going to possibly move to Papua New Guinea and do mission work, so definitely you, but just, just some of you. Or is this a command for every single Christian? What do, you, what do y'all think? A or B? Good answer. Now here's a question that rattled me. It was asked to me some time, a lot, some time ago. And the question was, in light of this command, go and make disciples. The question was asked of me, how many disciples have you made? How many disciples have you made? And it pierced my heart when this question was asked of me. And, and, and it convicted my heart. And, and it didn't convict me in this, well, you better get your act together, Zach. Like, what are you doing with your life? Though there was a flavor of that. But it was this conviction of vision. It was this conviction of this Isn't this what matters most? And it was this conviction of God, would you you help me make disciples for your name? And how neat would it be to get on your, you know, deathbed of sorts and be able to know, hey, I'm going to die. Like, you know... um, this is a news break for you. Maybe you didn't realize this. You're going to die. Like, we're all going to die. The reality is, some of you in here, you're going you're, you're gonna to die in the next 10 years. That's shocking. Could be me. Could be five years. 
One day we're all going to die. Um, First Corinthians, you know, Second Corinthians five ten says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not like this scary picture of like you're going to stand before Jesus. You better put it together because this is going to be scary. No, it's this picture of beauty. You're going to stand before Christ and give an account for the kind of life you lived. And when that day comes, I want to be able to say, Lord, I, I poured myself out the sake of making disciples, both seeing people come to know Christ and coming alongside those who come to Christ and, 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 and walking with them. And so I'm, I'm trying to inspire here because the whole message is how we do this, but I feel like it's really, really not an effective message if you don't want to start this way. Start here. And so my hope is, is that there would be a stinging in your heart of There is nothing important than making disciples. I love my wife, but what's more important is that we become disciples of Christ together. I love my kids, and I want them to be obedient. I really do. Life just gets easier that way. But what I want more is I want them to love Jesus and serve Jesus and be disciples of Jesus. I love all of you very, very dearly. It's it's real. I love each and every single one of you. I pray for each and every single of you by name. Every single week. That's why I ask you to fill out those prayer cards. If you don't fill them out, I get to choose what I pray for you. (laughs) You think I'm joking. I'm like, Lord, I know that husband is just kind of blowing it. So Lord, so if you feel convicted, husband, (laughs) the Lord answers prayers. (laughs) But I love you guys dearly. And one of the things that's been very, very clear to me as a pastor, is it's not my job to entertain you. It is, I'm going to stand before Christ and he's going to say, hey, did you disciple that local church? Or did, did you just preach some things that were interesting? And so, I'm longing that each and every one of us would have a heart stirring in us of, I am, there's nothing more important than Living and leaving a legacy of making disciples. So I want to look at a church that I truly believe there is not a church that made a more significant impact. There is not a church that made a more significant or has a more significant legacy of disciple making than this church right here. This little passage we're going to read, it other than Acts 1 8 and Acts 2, it's, it is maybe one of the most important passages in the whole entire Bible. And, and you're going to read it and be like, I don't see why that is. Let's check it out though. Acts 13. Let me pray for us because I think we need that before we open God's word. Father, would you stir up our hearts and give us a desire and a hunger and a yearning to make disciples around us, make disciples of our children? Make disciples of our neighbors, make disciples of our co-workers, make disciples of every single person we encounter. Um, Would you please speak through the words that are about ready to come out? May they be from you. Pray these things. And everyone said? Acts 13.1. Now there were in the church of Antioch, so this is the church, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, who's later going to be called Paul, 
And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. Very inconsequential passage, or at least it feels that way. Three verses, they worshiped, they prayed, they fasted, and they said, you, you, go. What happens is the rest of the book of Acts happens. The rest of the book of Acts, the rest of, you could argue, the New Testament is about this very passage because what happened is for the first time ever in the world, the gospel is now being spread to the world. And what happens because of this scene, what happens is Paul and Barnabas are going to go and preach the gospel and plant churches in all of these major cities. All of these major cities, or at least many of them, Paul is going to write letters to or letters to pastors there. 13 of the 29 New Testament books of the Bible we have because of this moment. Because they looked at Paul and said, all right, go. Go be on mission. Go live on mission. Not here, there. And we, we're going we're gonna to raise the funds for you. And Paul doesn't go once, twice, but he goes three times. And what happens is in the next two and a half centuries, Christianity goes from um, literally several thousand Christians to now millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Christians. In fact, in two and a half centuries, because of this very moment, Christianity is going to be the dominant religion in the Roman world. You you, you can't overstate the significance of, of this very moment. This was the legacy of Antioch, namely a legacy of we are on mission and we are going to send missionaries. We are on mission, and we're going to send people on mission. And what I want to look at is is not specifically this passage, but if you go back um, two chapters, back to chapter 11, you see that Acts 13, this epic three verses we just read, it didn't just happen. There, There was this kind of, Foundation. There was this kind of culture. There was this kind of legacy that was already being built up in the church of Antioch. They were taking certain faithful steps and doing certain faithful things that led to them leaving and living this legacy of making disciples. And so what I want to do is I want to look at, I just want to make seven observations Man, I tried to cut it down, and I really, I should have. I have to, I have to like make some of these observations very short because some of you, you want to go home. Um, uh, I know, right? Yeah. Or we could learn the Bible. Your kids would go crazy, and namely, actually, the children's teachers would go crazy. So for, for them, we'll end on time or make the effort to. Um, I want to make seven observations about the legacy they began to build. And I want you and I to hear these through the lens of how can I make this my own legacy? So let's, let's learn seven things about this church in Antioch 
And may it become our practice or our understanding in making disciples. Acts 11, verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some others. This is, this is what made me want to preach on this passage. I was reading Acts uh, 11. Uh, this was like three weeks ago. I wasn't planning on preaching on this passage through a book of Acts. But I just, I circled some of them. And I just thought, huh, that's intriguing. We'll get back to that. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Hellenists were non-Jews. They're like you and I. I'm assuming most of you here are not Jewish. I'm not. And it says they were preaching the Lord Jesus to these non-Jews. So here's what had happened. I don't know if you know this, but um, up until this point, really the gospel had not spread to anyone but Jews. And the reason why is all of the believers thought the gospel was only for the Jews. The rest of you non-Jewish people hate to break it to you. You're going to hell. Literally. They believe that. And the reason why they believe that is, well, they were Jewish, and while Jesus was Jewish, and well, didn't Christianity kind of come out of Judaism or, or, you know, the Old Testament? And so they had this false understanding that the gospel is only for Jews. And so here's what had happened is Jesus tried to inform them that that's not the case. Namely, you know, Matthew 28, go to all nations. And then Acts 1.8 you were to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They're like, yeah, that's, that, that, that's in Israel. That's Jewish people. And Judea. Yeah, we're still in the Jewish area. Samaria. Well, they were kind of like half-breed Jews. And then Jesus said, and then also to the ends of the earth. In other words, to all ethnos. Ethnics. Apparently they didn't hear that part. Because we're at Acts 11, the very end, and it seems as if none of that has gone on at all. And so it's pretty crazy. You know how God gets the gospel outside? He kills a Christian. Stephen gets killed. And then what happens is persecution breaks out. And if you're a Christian, there are Jews that are looking to either imprison you or kill you. And Saul was one of them. And so what happened is all these people are like, whoa, 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 I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to go and proclaim the gospel. I'm living on mission. This is what I'm supposed to do. Though it would also be nice to live through the night. Okay, maybe we should move to a different area. And this is what I love about them. They move outside of Israel and they can't shut up about the gospel. You know why the gospel? You want to know why Christianity spread so rapidly in the first century? There was just this understanding and, and, and this assumption I know Jesus, they don't, I should tell them. And they would not stop talking. And so they flee, and, and some of them got the memo hey, this is only for the Jews. And so they only spoke about the Jews. But then there were some of them. It literally says, just, there were some of them. Doesn't even name them. There were some of them, maybe they didn't get the memo. Or maybe they actually, you know, had remembered what Jesus had said go to all nations, all ethnics. And they start telling them about Jesus. 
Now, this may be a very, very simple, obvious aspect of an observation about living and leaving a legacy of discipleship, but it's one of the most important aspects, one of the most important things you and I need to understand about making disciples. And here it is. Somebody's got to go. Do you know how the gospel got to Antioch? Somebody went. Plain as that. Somebody went and somebody spoke. The gospel was not there before that. Do you know how the gospel gets to our neighbors? Somebody's got to tell them. You know how the gospel gets to our coworkers? Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to tell people about Christ. And, and we can push back. No, you know, we live in America. You know, we have, you know, in God we trust on our dollar bills, as if that's what they're reading, certainly. Um, don't they already know about Jesus? Well, why do I need to go across the street? Why do, why, why do I need to live and speak the gospel? Like, don't they already know? Yeah, they might know. But here's what I found. Most people just don't have a proper understanding of the gospel. They'll tell you something about Jesus. They'll, they'll tell you something about God. They'll tell you something about sin. But if you ask them, hey, do you even know what it means to trust in Jesus as your Savior? Do, do you even understand and know what the gospel is? And, and most of your neighbors, they don't. Somebody's got to tell them. And why not you? I am so grateful for the people who came in my life and told me the gospel. I'm so grateful for the people who came into my life and pointed out the gospel distortions that I have. Like, oh, you, 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 you think that's the gospel? <laughs> well, kind of, but not really. Somebody's got to tell them. Why not you? Now, I could linger all day on that one, but I'll move on to the next one that is less encouraging. You go back, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Here's another aspect that we need to understand about making disciples. It is overwhelmingly and extremely costly. It, it is. I'm like, I'm not here selling something. I'm not here to say, hey, if you, if you go and make disciples, just watch your bank account just go up. You, you go and make disciples, life will get easier. It actually kind of plays out the opposite. I'm, I'm reading um, this. Auto, I, one of the things I love doing now is I love reading and listening to Christian biography or even better, missionary biography. You read this and you're like, what am I doing with my life? It, it's just incredible stuff. And, and so I'm reading about John Patton and he goes to these islands far off the coast of um, Hawaii, kind of somewhere around Hawaii, in between Hawaii, Australia, and, and he goes there um, to spread the gospel. Oh, by the way, before he went there, two other missionaries tried to go there. They go on the island. This is 1839. Two missionaries are dropped off on the island. The, the locals come out with a club, knock them out, kill them, cook them, eat them, all in the face of the ship that dropped them off. Nineteen years later, John Patton says, I'm going. I know it's going to be costly. I'm going. Three months in, his wife 
gives birth to their first son. 19 days later, she gets um, tropical fever and dies. Two weeks later, his newborn son dies. Over the next four years, he gets the same thing his wife got, tropical fever, 14 times. It's costly to make disciples. And I get that not all of us are missionaries, but, but here's something I want to say. Some of you very well might be. And you're in a career right now that God is going, I'm giving you some discontent here because I want you to go there or I want you to go here. No, 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 not one of us ought to think, no, 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 not a missionary overseas. No, never going to be a pastor. Yeah, I thought so too. And why not you? If anything at all, you're a missionary in your workplace, but it's costly. Over 90,000 Christians died this last year because they were Christians. They were just martyred. It's killed. Over 6 million Christians right, right now face overwhelming persecution just because they named the name of Jesus. Guys, this, this isn't easy. To make disciples is a life of significant sacrifice. But I, I wonder if you believe it's worth making. So, the next observation, and I think this, is, this was the key for a guy like John Patton. He needed this. Verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. That's, that's the people who planted the church in Antioch. We don't even get their names. They just showed up and started telling people about Jesus. People get saved. Oh, hey, let's start a church. That makes sense. And it says that the hand of the Lord was on them in a great number who believed, turned to the Lord. And one of the things that we need to understand about living and leaving a legacy of making disciples is you're not flying solo. You've got the God of the universe who's with you. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, in light of that fact, therefore, since I got all the authority in the world, heaven and earth, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says this famous statement, don't forget it, and behold, I am with till the very end of the age. So we don't have to be cowards. We got Christ. He's with you even when your wife dies. And even when your child dies, he's with you and says, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this for my glory in the furthering of the gospel. And John Patton, after four years, he, he's forced to flee the island. He spends the next four years doing vision spreading to all of these different countries, Australia and Scotland, his hometown. And he tells everything that happened in, um, it, it, I believe it was, um, uh, gosh, um, Tan, the island of Tana that he was on. And really, he didn't see very many salvations at all, but he, but he shared all the things that God did. It's a very intriguing autobiography of, of, of him getting pistols pointed at him and, and him coming out and taking the pistols and, and shoving them down, saying, you guys are being mean to me, okay? I told, you came to church. You know that I'm nice to you. I gave you medicine. Why are you attacking me? He just knew, okay, God, God's with me. And they look at him and go, yeah, you're right. Who's giving you a hard time? We'll go take care of them. And so he, he went and shared this story of, of just all this grief, dead wife, dead son. And, 
And it says that when he went to these different places, one out of six of them became missionaries. God's like, I'll I'll use your wife's death for my glory. God's with you when you walk across the street. God's with you and will use all of it for his glory, even the stuff that just doesn't play out well in your eyes. Let's keep reading. This next one's one of my favorite. In fact, I was talking to a gentleman. I said, this point is for you today. might be for you too also. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Look at verse 24. For he, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Here's the next thing I, I just I hope you get um, is um, credentials are so overrated. I get I get real frustrated when when someone's like, you know, what? I'm just I just don't know enough. Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I can be a community group leader. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not like, do you love Jesus? Do you want to talk about Jesus? OK, you're in. Let's read all of the credentials of Barnabas, his gifts and his skills and abilities. Wait, they're not in there. It just says, you know what? Here's the thing about Barnabas. He was a good man. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of faith. Wasn't this great speaker? In fact, we're going to find that he's really not great so that he's got to go get Paul. He's just... He's full of, he's just going to the Holy Spirit and he's going to God. He's going, God, I just, I need you to work through me. I just need you. And then he had faith that God was going to do it. And then it says the church grew like crazy. And so, like, if you don't have the credentials, it's all good. It doesn't, God's okay. Like, he can work with that. He just wants people that are full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Maybe let that be your prayer. It's began to be mine this week. Um. All right, just, just three more, I think. And when he had found, so, so back up, verse 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who's going to be called Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And, and then you see in Acts 13, a, a, a very similar picture unfold um, where, where you got all of these other Christians um, Barnabas and Saul and, and a few other guys gathering together and, and looking to God of, of should, we, we, should we be sent elsewhere? And so you get this picture of the church coming together for the sake of being on mission. You get this picture of Barnabas goes, okay, I can't do this by myself. I need other brothers and sisters in Christ to do this. And here's the one thing we need to understand about living a legacy of making disciples is you weren't meant to do it alone. You need the fellowship of the local church. This is why we do community groups and are relaunching them next week. If you're not in one, I'm begging, I'm pleading, and I will email you and not stop until you get in one. I plead of you. In fact, um, we're starting a new community group. If you don't have one, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting one, and I'm, I'm going to be after you if you're not in one. And so, all for the glory of God, though, Okay. Because we, we need to be in fellowship with one another to, 
to, to disciple one another for the sake of making disciples. And then two more points. Is it says in verse 25 again, it says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year they met together with the church, and they taught They taught a great many people. And then in Acts 13, you see a similar picture where it says in verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And so what I want us to see is for us to live and leave a legacy of making disciples, we need to be growing in the gospel. We need to be growing in our knowledge and our affections for Christ. So, so if you, you stop growing in your knowledge of Christ, you're just not going to be effective disciple makers. It's not. And when your affections for Christ aren't there, I don't think I'd want you to be a disciple maker. Because you're just going to make a bunch of Pharisees. It's all about rules. That's why we sang that last song that we never lose our wonder of Christ, that our hearts would constantly be stirred up of, Jesus, I'm doing, I'm, I'm making disciples because I love you and there's nothing better than you and I want people to have that. And so we need to constantly be asking ourselves, okay, are my affections for Jesus real? And, and, and if they're not, I got to start there before I go and make disciples. And so here's this last one. It says, And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. I don't think Paul and Barnabas expected this. I don't think they expected, We are going to leave everything. Everything and go to places we've never been to in our whole entire life and speak to people we've never spoken to in our whole entire life. But they went anyways. And I think for to leave a legacy of making disciples, we need to put ourselves in this place of being willing to leave everything to go on mission where God might call us that we need to be willing to leave everything and not, and not fearing that. That if God's calling you, he's, he's, he's calling you. Don't be afraid to leave here because you have a friend planning a church in, in Texas or in California. 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 Go. Don't be afraid of God. I feel, like, I feel like God might be calling me to spend my vacation time of going on a short-term mission trip every single year. Go! Some of you might be, God's calling you to say, I want you to quit your job and I want you to pursue being a pastor. I want you to go to Sierra Leone and be boots on the ground. Go! May we, may we be willing for that. And not afraid of that. You know, I, I told... Sorry, sweetie, I'll tell a story about us. Don't worry, I didn't ask for your permission. Um, but I remember saying to Melissa, not long ago, you know, 
what if we might be called to be missionaries one day? And she gave me that look like, and I'm like, I know, I feel the same thing. Like, it's, it's, it's nice to have a shower at night. But one of the things I pray is, God, if you call us to be missionaries, don't let us say no. Whatever you got to do, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. <laughs> let me close with this. This, this, this. I love this quote from this biography here. Um, so John Patton feels called to go to the New Hebrides Islands. And he's leaving actually a very, very fruitful ministry that he was a part of. In fact, it's so fruitful that when he tells his church, I feel called to go to the New Hebrides, go to the island of Tana, everyone starts telling him, no, 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 you're not going, you're not called, you shouldn't go. He just felt called. And so he, he writes this. And this, this was made me think, this is the attitude I want to have. It says this, Amongst many who sought to deter me was one old, dear Christian gentleman whose crowning argument was always, you'll be eaten by cannibals! Which was, which was not an overstatement. 19 years before this happened. At last, I replied, Mr. Dickinson, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave and there to be eaten by worms. And I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. And so he goes, and he loses his wife, and he loses his child. He flees after four years, really not a lot of success, spends four years vision casting in other countries, one out of six pretty much go and become missionaries, feels called to go back, goes to the island right next to Tana, spends the next 15 years there. He's remarried. Uh, I forget how many children he has. I think he has six children. Um, four of them die. He starts these orphanages, and by the time his by the time he's done with his ministry, about 15 years there, the whole entire island came to know Christ. The New Hebrides, about 190,000 people today, 83% named the name of Jesus. Legacy? Legacy. And I wonder if you and I can say, you know what? Whether I'm eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms, I want to give my life to making disciples. And may that be our prayer today. Father, we want to close our time asking for help. Would you help us? Would you help us to have such a deep affection, such a deep love for you, Jesus, that we would just say, you know what? I will leave everything, Jesus. I will leave everything to go make disciples for your name. That's cool. That's fine. I'll leave everything. 
And Father, would you remind us that you are with us and that you would give us the courage to walk across the street to our neighbors, that we'd make disciples in the workplace, that we would make disciples in our family, that our life's work would be making disciples for your glory and our joy. And Father, I do not want to miss the opportunity that you may have just struck a chord in someone's heart who thought they were going to be working at the company they're working at for a long time, and maybe this morning they're going, I'm, maybe I'm called to be a missionary. Father, don't let them run from that. And may we as a church surround them, empower them, fund them, do whatever it takes to see the gospel spread to where you're calling the believers in this place. We love you, Lord, and, and we just we give this week to you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.